1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 342. What's up, Scott? How's it going? A sweep of the Rays kind of turned around after that ugly road trip. Came home, swept the Rays. Yeah, good start. We were saying that this was an important
2: series coming up and an important homestand leading up to, you know, the whole... Big July, really. I mean, with the London series and the uh, all-star game and playing Boston 97 times, you know, at the end and then leading into August. And so there's a lot of a lot of good big things happening that are uh, also extracurricular. So, yes, good start. Very good start. I'm glad that we treated the Devil Rays as they as they uh, as they should be treated like the little the little stepchildren of the American League East who can barely afford their power bill.
1: So are you? Uh, yeah, I saw you trolling the the Rays account. The Rays account is not afraid to get into it with people on Twitter.
2: I'm really, I'm really trying to bait them. <laughs> I really want to get into them.
1: Although I feel like it something that they're self conscious about is the trop.
2: The well, the well, you know that's not true because they they show like the 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 um, speaker. They, they celebrated true. the speaker. They, the fact they, that they would make outs um, with the speaker. That's, that's see that's true. my theory why they have four outfielders because they're actually used to playing in the trap <laughs> and they got to play the bounces. So that's why they have four outfielders. Cheating bastards.
1: Yeah, you got to you got to get those caroms. Those are tricky. Yeah,
2: it's like playing wall ball, man. You got to like we would play at my garage at home uh in uh my, where I grew up and you know the the uh the door of the garage had had like pains on it. So if you hit that pain right, you know you gotta know that bounce. It's a big bounce.
1: It's a home field, I mean it's a home field advantage. There's no doubt. If, if you can play it right. It will pop up. It will
2: pop up on you and you're not expecting it and you will get your ass pegged.
1: That's like how some ground screws cut the grass right on the foul line where others have it maybe a foot or two off of the foul line. Every infield is different. Sometimes do you remember this? I, I don't know if this is myth or it actually happened, but in the later days of Jeter and Arod, on the left side of the infield, the grounds crew would have the grass slightly longer so ground balls would slow down so that Jeter and Arod could get to them better. I mean, probably. Probably right. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if there's someone regulating that. If like MLB comes in and measures the the petals of
2: grass for what though? There's no. um, They're blades of grass. They're not petals of grass. Let's get that straight. Blades
1: of grass. Whatever. Sorry, I don't have a lawn.
2: I do, and they're blades of grass. Uh, The (laughs) I may be
1: old, but I'm not old enough to have a lawn yet. There's
2: not. Oh yeah. By the way, see this? I'm I'm forgetting everything. It's your birthday today. Happy birthday! You're officially in your mid 30s. Congratulations.
1: That's bullshit. 31 is still early 30s. Although I'm not going to lie, 31. It kind of stings, oh, doesn't it? Whatever reason sounds older than 30. Because it is. I didn't even really care when I hit 30 last year. Yeah. It, it. I mean, first of all, I still feel the same as I did when I was 27 or 26 mentally. Anyway, I, I I don't feel any different. I know my life has changed a lot and it's about to change a lot in the next few months. But I don't feel old. Like, when does that happen? Do you feel old yet? You're. You're almost 40. Yeah, no, I don't. It's
2: it's weird. well, so, you know. Sometimes there, there there are moments, but I don't. Like, you
1: are not talking. I, I don't really. I'm not no, talking have about a, physically. I have a chi- I have a
2: child's mind. I, well, you I, have a child. I have a child, and I have a <laughs> child's mind. I probably won't ever, you know, fully mature mentally. <laughs> I feel like that ship has sailed, <laughs> and I'm just going to be uh, this person for. And I'll probably get way more crotchety as I get older. I could definitely see me becoming it. You're like really, really getting into the get off my lawn mode and not giving a rat's ass.
1: About I feel like I'm at. already more crotchety than you are. And I'm eight years younger than you.
2: There's a difference between crotchety and then just like looking at the negative side of everything.
1: Cynical. I'm cynical. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You're, you're, you're a very cynical person. Very cynical. Well, as long that's as, just as, as far as, as baseball,
1: I, I'm, I, I think I lean cynical in life in yeah. general. My, yeah. my humor is cynical I I tend to always see the negative in things, right? But but that makes the positive things that much better. That's why when something good happens on the baseball field, anyway, as it relates to this podcast, I think that makes it a little bit sweeter than any, everything is unicorns and show ponies, and it's just everything is rainbows and fun. Like no, that's I can't go through a whole baseball season like that. I don't think anyone would even want to listen to a podcast that's like that. I don't know. There's some rainbow
2: podcasts out there. The uh, the but yeah, and
1: they they're not as good as ours. The
2: the thing is is you have to be. If you're doing that, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself about what's actually happening. Although there are some times when you know things are going okay, they're not going terribly. Well, yeah, and the I negativity think- <laughs> can take over, and then I have to like try to like pump some air into the into the uh, you know the positivity and the balloons and stuff, so we can actually that's okay stay in a in an actual reasonable lane. That's the yin and yang of of having Like last week you were trying to get co-host. to that point and I was real, I was like fighting it. I was like giving uppercut shots in the beginning. What track.
1: did I even say? I don't even remember. Last week could have been 2 years ago. Yeah, either. I don't remember what it was. Podcast time, uh, we've talked about this before. Time does not exist in podcast time. It doesn't. It doesn't exist. I have no idea what I did yesterday. Because even. we were just saying before we recorded, we were trying to figure out how old First of all, how old we each were when we met and the website started and right. we figured out that you were 31, about 31 in that, in that area when I first started writing with nyyuniverse.com. And I had just gotten married. Okay. It's kind of like so, full circle
2: right now. It's kind of weird.
1: Eight years ago. Yeah. 2011. And then when the podcast kicked off, I was 27. You were 35, 34-ish. Sometime around there. I don't know. I, I, anyway, I did not you our said. strong suit. But uh, I don't I don't know where I was going. Where was I going? With that? I have no podcast idea. time. When the podcast started, it was it was four years ago. Going on five years ago, <laughs> last week, no <laughs> right, difference. Yeah,
2: no, it's true. It's 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 time. It's tough to gauge time. You know, when you're going through these every week. So, but man, you know what? Uh, it's been fun. This was a fun week. This was a, a fun week of baseball, and I'm glad that we have some good things because when you go and lose eight out of your eight, eight out of your last eleven.
1: 8 of, you know, of 11, yep.
2: You're you're looking at some doomsday things. You're looking at doomsday with the pitching, you're looking at all sorts of stuff going on, right? And now now that they've won 5 in a row, the pitching has been tremendously better. We you know, have given some room between the Rays um and and even the Red Sox. So, a lot a lot of good things happening right now.
1: Yeah, I think you have to I'm trying to um to split the difference on the pitching in those 11 games when they lost eight in a row. And then the pitching over the last five games where I have some stats here where the the starting pitching has been tremendous. I feel like it's somewhere in the middle with the actual level of this rotation. Wouldn't you agree? I think it's hard to see where it's hard to
2: tell where they are right now because I, I, again, like I'm really happy that CC had a good game today. We're recording this on what day is today? Wednesday. Um, I have no idea I've been I've been in freaking Alabama for 3 days. I literally don't even know where my what what is happening.
1: Yeah, I saw your adventures trying to get some booze.
2: It was brutal. But um you know, again, CC pitched well today, right? We're looking at what he did, good stuff. Like that's awesome and really really good. It's just uh, uh, where's he going to be in um in July? What's this team going to look like? What or I'm sorry, July, August? What what's the pitching staff going to look like? So it's hard to tell where we are right now. Paxton coming back from that injury, you know, it's it's pretty clear that he's You know, we're not going to know what he is until he gets, you know, I think a few more under his belt and he can really get into the season um, and hopefully healthy. And then I'll have a better judge, I feel like, of who he really is um, at this point, even
1: though he was good the last time out. So um, positive steps. Right. uh, Quickly, the rotation the last five turns. So dating back to five starts ago, it was was the opener with Chad Green and Cortez came in and they combined to go seven innings, seven hits, two earned runs. Paxton the next day out goes six innings. Gave up eight hits and we kind of talked about how it wasn't the sharpest Paxton. Actually, no, we didn't talk about it we because talk, yeah. he uh we I I I briefly talked about Paxton after that. What I liked about that start from Paxton is he threw deeper into the game. We hadn't seen that yet since he came back from the IL. Then Tanaka, I mean, completely nuts up with a complete game shutout. So Tanaka, who had been struggling and had been having weird innings. Every now and again, he'd give up four runs, and you're like, who, who is this Tanaka? Something went wrong, and then boom, it's a, it's a, it's a blow-up inning. Well, that was his best start of the season. It may be his best start since last year when he threw a complete game against the Tampa Rays.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it seems like looking at some of these numbers against, the, uh, against Tampa, I mean, he's had phenomenal year against the Tampa Rays. He's the, he's the, you know, the opposite of what happens with the Orioles, but against a good team.
1: Yeah, a one earned run in twenty two innings. I'd say that's pretty freaking good. I like
2: that. I like that a lot. And he has had success down at the trap too. Now it's um it's proven that he has the success up top, uh, in the Bronx. So, you know, look, I, I I think if you're looking at what's happened in the season as far as for trying to rate, see where they are. I mean Tanaka, I think, you know, as long as you can clean up those those weird innings, which are almost an anomaly, they're just they're happening too consistent well, to this be an Anomaly. Is a,
1: this is the point in the season. The last. 2 years we've where we've up. seen Tanaka ramp up.
2: June
1: 30th I think was the date. Yeah, so we're approaching that date where the first 2 months of the season he's inconsistent, he's figuring it out or he just plain looks bad. Yeah. I feel like this year he hasn't been bad. No. He's been he's been inconsistent and at times almost lost. But I say that like he's lost because he he doesn't have a splitter and he's trying to figure it out, right. figure shit out on the on the fly. And um, we've seen some bad starts from him. We've also seen some really good starts from him, like like that outing uh, Monday. And it was it was such a clutch performance because <clears throat> you're facing the first place Rays, but you're com- you're starting a home stand, maybe the most important homestand of the season. I don't think that's an exaggeration no, to t- say when you're facing the Rays for the second place team, and then the Astros, who I think are probably when the biggest the biggest roadblock to you making the World Series.
2: Well, I mean, you could. I would definitely put the Red Sox in there as well. But yeah, okay. one, one, of, the, one of one the top, of the two of the or three two, best teams in in the league. Absolutely, you I think when they're fully healthy, even though they've been hit with some injury bugs, but when they're fully healthy, they're definitely uh, talent level one of the top teams, if not the top team. So
1: you kick it off with a complete game shutout, shove the bats down down their throats. That that was a very clutch performance.
2: No doubt about it. I mean, that's that's the thing. That's that's when you're seeing him put that together, and I, I know a lot of people were very they wanted it every I'm just gauging social media right when we're when we're when we're dangerous yeah I know but also gauging or, or gauging like the the, w- the way that the stadium felt and all these things right everybody wanted Tanaka to come back out
1: everybody I was surprised Chapman was warming 100 up pitches after eight innings that is usually like an easy yeah just button for Boone to press we're going to the bullpen
2: but I think Boone likes these types of moments where he want he wants that guy to go back out there and you could tell that Tanaka wanted to do it and again I think there's there's a level of what Boone does sometimes with some of his guys that he he does try to show them um, more faith, a lot of faith, and, and get that confidence up. And I think sometimes it kind of blows up on him. But he that's one of the things that we've seen is that Boone likes to give these guys that extra jolt of confidence. And if they say or look or have a, a way about them that, that even though it's against the numbers, even though he's at that magic number 100, even though the nerds in the tunnel are like screaming obscenities at him to, to get him out of the game, he's like, you know what? I'm going to boost this guy's confidence. I have faith in him. Send him out there. And it worked. And the stadium loved it. Fans on social media loved it because everybody wanted him to go out and finish that game.
1: Yeah, and I, uh, I, I also think not every pitch is created equal. And by that, I mean stress level. That was not a, a stressful 100 pitches that he had thrown. Yeah. So if he had battled through a few hard innings and he's at 100 pitches, then maybe they decided to take him out. But he ended up throwing 111 pitches, and I do think that is a boost to the team. I think his oh, teammates yeah. loved seeing it. I think we've seen it in past, um, past seasons. I think to the game when Severino threw his complete game shutout. Actually, I don't even remember if it was a shutout. It was a complete game in Houston against the Astros. And that sort of kicked off a a mini run for the team. I think performances like Tanaka's on Monday can give the team extra energy. Look, I, th- I think this
2: team, when they see a really good pitching performance like that, they get, uh, they get more confident as a, as a unit because they know damn well what's happening with the offense. They know that they've stayed afloat. And and not even just afloat, but stayed extremely competitive and very good with all of these guys that have replaced the big names. Now everybody's coming back. Now they got a big bat with Encarnacion. Uh, st- uh, Standing back, back Judge is about to come weekend. back. So they know the ball is going to start flying out of the park even more. And they also know that um, they're getting revamped. Like this is this is crazy because. We were waiting and, and just hoping that the team could hold out until these guys come back. And they've done that. They've absolutely done that. So they know. <laughs> they were on
1: their last like, so uh, lifeline.
2: So close to dropping, but they kept yeah. it on. And um, and now they know they're going to score runs. They're going to score runs. So when they see one of their guys, their, their you know number one, two pitcher, whatever you want to call him, come out there and dominate and throw a complete game shutout against the team that's in first place currently um, or right there with you, like that's a huge jolt. So – I think it gives a lot of people confidence, and uh, that's a big deal. You know,
1: you're saying number one or two pitcher, whatever he is, it's him and him and Paxton need to step up and be the number one and number two pitcher in their in this rotation until either Severino comes back healthy and or they trade for a pitcher. It's going to happen; they're going to trade for a pitcher, right? So the the current guys who you you can you need to be trusting most are Tanaka and Paxton. Tanaka showed up uh, and just. Breaking down his start, you know, what was different about his start? Why did this one work out so well for him? His pitch mix was essentially the same. relying on four-seam fastballs, sliders, and splitters. The biggest difference I could find is that he his splitter was unhittable. Like, it has been in past season. He got five swings and misses on it. He gave up no hits on the splitter. I mean, he only gave up three hits the whole game. So, all of them came against his four-seam fastball. But none not against his splitter, which had been getting tattooed. Yeah, which you know, so when you're seeing it th-
2: this game was was cruising along too, like it was uh, had a really yeah, good pace it. too. It. I love those. It was awesome. Pace. That's why I remember I uh, was texting you. I uh, was like, I can't, you know, this game happened so fast because I was going to do the video for it. By the time I got back, it was already like the sixth or seventh inning. Um, so that's good things. Like you're seeing that you're seeing the pace of the game going well. Um, he's throwing strikes. He's able to to work his 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 different pitch mix because he's able to throw strikes. That's when he's good. I mean, that's when most pitchers are good, but when you have a, a repertoire like Tanaka, yeah. when you can throw that many pitches, what, four, five pitches for strikes, then... Swinging strikes. He got five swinging strikes. No, no, no. On, I'm talking his... about all of his pitches. When you're throwing your pitches oh, right. for strikes, you can work off of that much more, and, and it just makes your, um, your secondary yeah, pitches still, more he's effective. still
1: basically a three-pitch pitcher. Yeah. He did mix in a couple curveballs. I, I actually, we were talking about this in the back-end Facebook chat. I thought he threw more curveballs than the three percent that he threw because the, i noticed them he used them at key times and they were all very good curveballs yeah. and i was like wow a tanaka curveball i feel like i haven't seen that that's the
2: thing when he sprinkles in all of his pitches because he does have a deeper rep- uh that it was he's, a good curveball. Main... was a nice
1: little 12 to 6 kind of uh, uh one to one a.m to seven oh, six boy. seven whatever <laughs> clonzo so last time you looked at the clock <laughs> I'm gonna do digital, baby. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was a nice curveball. Yeah, twelve to six. That's. Uh... It wasn't quite twelve to six though. It had a little bit more slide action on it, but it was. It was definitely a a big breaker. Okay, big breakers. <laughs> um, but no. <laughs> That's I mean that's the thing like I, I think when he
2: when his confidence goes up too you know he's starting to think of early days when he's he's throwing all sorts of pitches over in Japan yeah, kitchen sink he's you know he's got more of these uh, these specialty pitches up his sleeve It's just a matter of being confident and being able to get cocky with it and maybe he's getting a little more cocky with uh, throwing that that uh, that one to seven curveball
1: and this means Tanaka's lined up for the June twenty second event that let's address the elephant in the room why why don't we uh, and uh, everyone is going f- to be at except me
2: yep. You're not going to be there. It's unfortunate.
1: It really is. It sucks. I, I, I am. When it, so it's my bachelor party this weekend. Yes. So next episode that you hear me, I'm going to be dead. But but this it was planned before we planned the Bronx pinstripes events. And then you know as well as I do, try to get ten grown adults to change change a weekend plan they already agreed on. Not going to happen.
2: No, I mean we tried to move the. We tried to look at where the games were and actually not have it on that day june
1: is such a weird schedule there's basically yeah. this is the only home game in june well i mean H- the whole home, uh, weekend in june it's it's the whole yankee schedule this
2: year honestly it's that the games are, are strange on on saturdays um there aren't very many night games either that are that are good for these events So anyway so it was a yeah so we're doing it it's going to be fun you're not going to be there we're going to have a great time we'll tell you all about it um i'm sure you'll see things hopefully you'll see us on tv uh, we got, we're right, right around 200 people for this thing. It's going to be packed. It's going to be it's a awesome. blast. Everybody's going to be um, going to the dugout pregame um, tickets. So day game was today, Wednesday, again, kind of threw off the box office. So I'm waiting for some of those tickets to get transferred over um, into our account. And as soon as they do, we will send them out as well. So they will be transferred over. T-shirts are in the mail. Um, that is confirmed with uh, with with my T-shirt people. Um, and yeah, I'm um, loving the shirts because it came to me two weeks ago with this design and it was, I've been thinking about it for a while. The, some spin on Houston. You have a pro we have a problem. Um, obviously everybody knows that from the Apollo mission, NASA, Houston, there's your context. So now I'm thinking,
1: okay, do people need
2: that? I don't I know. Like I don't a know. Very
1: common phrase. Is
2: it though? Anymore? I don't know. i I could be dating myself. I don't know what I'm dating myself anymore or not. That's when that's the old moment. When you're not sure if what you're saying other people get. So that that's it. But um so the t shirts are Houston, you have a problem. Uh bomber's ready for launch. And I'll be damned if everybody isn't coming back for this goddamn game.
1: Literally, yeah. Everybody. Judge is gonna judge, be back. They're saying judge back Friday. Yeah. Which great. The sooner Judge is back, the better. But And it's a I, night I game wasn't.
2: on Saturday, so they're not gonna they shouldn't sit his ass. <laughs>
1: Oh, because Stanton, for example, Stanton and Didi both sat today's day game on Wednesday. And you're thinking of Stanton, like, he already needs a day off, but it's a day game after a night game. They'd be extra careful with him. Yeah, if he does come back and play on Friday night, he should also play on Saturday. Saturday night. However, it is Sunday Old Timers Day. It was the
2: pessimistic. Yeah.
1: I'm just being realistic. It's Sunday Old Timers Day. And I don't know if they want to, you know, say. Well, it's going to be a sellout on Sunday. We we got to make sure. It's probably going to be a sellout all weekend.
2: Yeah, Verlander's pitching on Sunday, I think, too. Um, you know, it's Tanaka. Tanaka's pitching on Saturday, it looks like, right now. So, look, it's going to be a blast. Either way, we have a uh, majority of people back for this thing. Um I'm excited. I know a lot of people are excited uh, to, to do this. So, um, yeah, so Friday or Saturday, we will be partying up at the dugout and then at the game. Uh, then June 29th, you guys, we're doing, there's a New York watch party for the London series. I know Keith and JJ will actually be at those games in London. They're doing a pregame. So if you are a Yankees fan or you know any other Yankees fans that are going to London, um, JJ and Keith are going to be over there. We're doing a pregame. Um, the bar is called uh, the Ball, Balls and Bats. I, I, let me get the name of it. Keep going with the other ones because let me get the name of it. Okay, it's definitely not the Balls
1: <laughs> it, and Bats. It's something like that. <laughs> But, uh, yes, what, there's going to be – if you're in London, like, like Scott just said, let JJ and Keith know the George's box guys are going to be over there. They're do, doing meetups. There's also going to be a watch party in New York City at Tavern 29 on June 29th. That's a 1 p.m. game. We have an area at the bar set up. Um, right now, uh, estimating about 30 people coming. More people might roll in. They might bring people along. You don't need a ticket or anything for this. To show up at Tavern 29. Going to – ton of Yankee fans are going to be there watching the game. I'm going to have the Bronx Pinstripes flag and all that kind of stuff. Have a few beers. It's going to be a blast. July 6th is the Tampa Evasion First Invasion, not Evasion, the first Bronx Pinstripes road event. Those tickets are also coming up on the deadline, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: So, um, I mean, if for me to get T-shirts out, I got to get them out soon. So um, we had originally said the deadline was t- – was t- Wednesday, uh, we're gonna stretch it to the the end of this weekend. So if you're in Tampa or you know people in Tampa, Yankees fans in Tampa, if, you're, if you have friends on the on the fence, get them going. Uh, we have like seventy five people, I think, right now, give or take. So I want to get to that hundred mark, over a hundred. Uh, I think if we if we if we roll in there with a hundred people, it will be fantastic. It's sixty nine bucks. You're getting a shirt, which we'll announce the um, design soon. It's going to be fun, <laughs> and, and then um, we're doing a pregame at Ferg's, which is across the street, and. The captains of the BP crew chapter down in Tampa set that up. So got that going on, Jared. um, And um, oh, here, I got it. Sorry, before I forget. The London, it is called the bat and ball. So, okay, (laughs) yeah, here we go. This is the first time they're getting baseball. This is the first
1: time they're getting baseball over in London. I didn't think they'd have Mm a bar called the bat and ball unless did they rename it for this very purpose?
2: I mean, I can't imagine they did that, but it's called the bat and the ball. Bat and ball in London, and it's speaking on... speaking
1: of the London games. It's on West so, Stratford
2: Unit. <laughs> I
1: don't even not even <laughs> read this stop. address. People have Google; they can freaking look it up. <laughs> um, I was listening to John and Susan the uh, yesterday. Whenever I was listening to John and Susan, they're already complaining about the press box at the London Stadium. Why it's small? They have to share it apparently with the Red Sox broadcasters. Oh.
2: Yeah. So so so, Susan was so not could happy we about see
1: that. a Jerry Remy, John Sterling. So I don't think it's beef? actually the TV because the TV there's not going to be local TV. I think it's the it's the local radio broadcast. I think both games are nationally televised, correct?
2: Yeah, but Sterling
1: will be there, right? Oh, so Remy Sterling's won't. Sterling's going to be there, but I don't know if the TV guys are going. I'm sure Michael K is going to go just because Actually, I don't think he is going. Okay, so yeah, I, I doubt the Yes guys or the Nesson guys are going to be going.
2: Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't even think about that. But it doesn't matter. I want John Sterling to represent. He's going to take over the room. I don't care how small it is. I don't care who he's sharing it with. John Sterling's going to take over the room, and Susan's going to be there with him. And
1: it's going to be yeah. glorious. King, I hope they think king, king and queen, king and queen. It's going to be great. So the uh, anything else to, to talk about before we move on? Uh, and
2: then July twentieth is the is the uh, is the Colorado series. So if you're coming to that game, get those tickets. Uh, it Seems like we have a, a, a pretty much a game like every week. So.
1: So with the sweep of Tampa, the Yankees are now seven and two against the Rays, which is which is awesome because look up and down the except the Blue Jays who they've only played three times, but they've handled Boston. They've handled Baltimore and they've handled the Rays. They have three more games against the the Blue Jays coming up. Hopefully they'll handle them too. Tuesday's game. So I, I don't know what the hell is going on with these rain delays. So they had an hour and 20-minute rain delay on Tuesday night. And then they started the game, and it was still raining. It was pouring. It was raining pretty hard. Again, you're going to delay an hour and 20 minutes, delay it an hour and 45 minutes, and just start when it stopped. Because it stopped raining by the second inning. So J-Hap, again, here we go, pitching again for the third time in a rain environment Yeah, where they start the game, and it's still freaking raining. I don't understand it. I know they set a time because they their radar tells them no oh, the the... the the moisture is moving out at this time. Well, look up. Look up <laughs> the sky. If, if, if raindrops are hitting your eyeballs, don't start the game.
2: Yeah, no, it's weird. And, and then, you know, they're, they're canceling games when the forecast doesn't change, uh, like, in, you know, right at game time. They're doing weird things. I don't know where this information is coming from or who's making these decisions, but uh, I, I don't like it. Maybe the nerds have taken over the weather game too. You know, Maybe there's some metric that they're looking at now and says, well, hey, the rain is falling, but by the time we get this, the tarp off the field and all of the cat litter or whatever the hell it is onto the batter's box, the rain will be gone. Is that what they dropped, cat litter? We used to call it cat litter, and yes, you can use cat litter.
1: I've heard you can use cat litter to get out of like an icy situation. Like if you're stuck <laughs> in the ice or the snow. Yeah. That you can definitely do that but or sand, but you can, uh, you can uh, use essentially the same thing. You can use, we've done it because in a,
2: I've played in an adult league for years and um, you know, basically everybody on the field is keeping that thing dry or trying to play on it. Cause we all want to play and we've gotten cat litter before and used it. So you know, it, but you it know what, if
1: you guys have to play through a little rain, I don't care. But I'd prefer that the Yankees don't have to play through rain, risk injury, and poor performance. Hap didn't look great to start the game. I don't know if it was rain affected. I'm not going to use that excuse for him. He ended up going through five innings. That's all they needed because the bullpen was fully rested thanks to Tanaka. So they were able to go Ottavino, Kainley, Britton, Chapman to combine to go four innings, two hits, one run, seven strikeouts to lock that game down.
2: Yeah, just like it's dialed up. I mean, I said this in the post game talking about Hap. It's it's not the optimal situation if you're looking at what you know how you would draw up a, a performance by Hap. You want him to go deeper into that game, but he did get through five, and the bullpen was rested because of Tanaka's start, and you know Paxton went six innings the day before that. So they had they had some uh, some guys that were rested, ready to go, and they performed. That's how you draw it up. That's how they want to um, to see if a guy can't get into the sixth inning. Well, this is what they have that bullpen for. And the bullpen's deep. So they they pitched well. I know uh Canley gave up a run, gave
1: up a run. Eh? He walked the first batter, right? And it came back to score. Yeah. I mean, it's just whatever.
2: They locked it down. They had a little bit of a wiggle room and uh and it, look, this is the other thing about pa- that Hap is everybody everybody loves to shit on Hap. And I think it's because of his age, which is ageism, by the way. I, I, I take offense to that. And I'm the younger fact than you. And the <laughs> and the fact that he looked, i mean i feel like he looks 10 years older than me but he um you know he's got that third year option all goes well it could it could vest but there's a lot of things that have to happen so people are talking about oh we have him for two more years well if we do have him for two more years the second year probably went okay um probably not going to be too mad about the fact that he's there for the third year because Good way to look at it's, it. it's the only way it vests so um but but i mean look this is a a guy that didn't have his great stuff on on this day still fought through 7 gave up 7 hits got out of trouble Give up two runs. He did. He didn't walk anybody. So you're looking at the the base runners, um, and uh, you know got through it. And when I, when a guy doesn't have his good stuff, going in these rain delays, these weird things, like that's what I need. I need you to battle, get through five six innings, and give this team an opportunity to win. And that's what he did.
1: No home runs allowed either, which that's pretty big. rare for him this season.
2: Yeah, it's big time right there. Because you're waiting for the big one, <laughs> and it and it didn't come.
1: So Stanton's also comes out. He makes a really nice play into the stands and a fan trying to Bartman his ass over over in right field. Um, Mr. Poncho guy just totally whiffed on a ball and Stanton made a nice catch. But he goes 0 for 4, two strikeouts. And I was joking about this on Twitter saying, uh, how many at-bats does Stanton have to go hitless before he starts getting booed by the Yankee fans? Well, it's four at-bats because he got booed after his last at-bat.
2: I feel like those are just like, let's, let's go through the motions and get these boos over with because they come.
1: <laughs> I just think people for whatever reason like Boeing Stanton
2: probably I mean it's it's the dollars that, when you see a big guy like that and the dollars attached to it and the fact that he was hitting home runs in the minor leagues then he goes over up top here and we've seen so many guys that there's a, there's this narrative that's just not that true about the strikeouts are down, hits are up and all those things like if you look at the numbers they're actually really damn close to last year it feels like they're different definitely does but the numbers are pretty close And
1: when you see you're talking about team wise,
2: team wise, just team wise. And when you see our, our guys come up like the the desperate, the really, really cynical people, the desperate ones who are holding on to this to this just negativity and hatred and just want to be pissed off at everything are the ones booing. And like they're they're pissed off that stands there striking out.
1: Most of the people who are booing are remembering his ninth inning at bat of the ALDS against the Red Sox last year looking totally helpless.
2: I'm not even giving them that much credit. I think they're booing because he <laughs> is a big guy, makes a ton of money, just came up and struck out.
1: So Stanton goes 0 for 4, gets booed. How many at-bats would Judge need to go hit list before he starts getting booed? A lot. Because people will fight the people that are booing them. <laughs> I'm thinking at least it's, it's got to be like something crazy, like 24 at-bats. It's, it's gotta be that and it's also has to be situational
2: where it's it's happening in bad times because otherwise people right. are just gonna feel bad for Judge.
1: Right. Yeah Right. Yeah, people if, if he goes 0 for fifteen and people are gonna be like, well, look, they rushed him back, yeah. he's not ready to play. Uh, yeah, and, and, the ex- and yeah.
2: here's the here there's two such massive differences between these two guys. They look similar, they're 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 massive people, and they they mash the ball. But one of them, not getting paid, one of them homegrown.
1: The other guy, former MVP. But we know even if Judge gets a big contract from the Yankees, it's not going to change. They're still going to love him. Jeter got a big contract you know, from the Yankees, and he got he never got booed. Did he? I don't remember him ever getting booed.
2: I mean, I'm sure there were, there were, there were times when he got booed. Nobody remembers that, and nobody wants to. Again, those people got fought <laughs> in the, in the stands. <laughs> you know,
1: you don't get You don't want to be noticed as the guy booing Judge no. or Jeter. You will get a beer dumped on you. You will get something yeah. thrown at you. you it will you, be you, bad news for you.
2: Deserve you deserve it. Don't boo those guys.
1: But if you're booing Stanton, whatever you know, yeah, he's a hired gun. That's what people think. (laughs) Yes. CC finally got his 250th. All right, can we move past this now? He was stuck on 249 since May 22nd. He joins the 250 wins, 3,000 strikeout club. It's a very exclusive club. I'm going to rattle off these names very quickly. Walter Johnson, Greg Maddox, Roger Clemens, Steve Carlton, Don Sutton, Nolan Ryan, Phil Necro, Gaylord, Gaylord Perry, Tom Seaver, Randy Johnson, Burt Blylevin, Fergie Jenkins, Bob Gibson, and now CeCe Sabathia. How's that?
2: Look, he's knocking off these milestones. You got the 250, which is is probably the new 300. He's got the uh, the 3,000. Definitely.
1: Oh, it definitely is the new 300.
2: Well, I mean, that's he needs these milestones because baseball needs – you need the milestones, right? You need these nice round numbers that are big. And and whether they, they, they change on the sliding scale of of the you know the times for, for baseball writers to in their heads you know make sure that they can uh, you know make it make it a, make a good decision and feel good about it and actually defend it so they have a number to, to to hang their hat on right he's getting these numbers now so I think this is what's this is pushing to his conversation and his um his ballot future ballot for Hall of Fame. Really getting into that place where it's going to be hard to keep him out. I, I really, I think that I think the narrative of CC being a Hall of Famer has changed a lot in the last year and a half.
1: Maybe amongst non-Yankees fans.
2: Well, I think that's that's who you have, to, and writers. I think people are looking at him differently. I think the fact Maybe. that he resurrected his career, not not that it was like unresurred not that it was horrible but he's gone through personal things he that he, he's come out he's always been a good guy to the media he's always been a good guy in yeah the that's clubhouse. the thing
1: he's liked which yeah, also helps it, it because if you're helps. on the bubble if you're on the bubble Albert and you're Bell. liked right if you're on the bubble which i don't think even sabathia is on the bubble i think he's clearly a hall of famer but if you're on the bubble and you're liked by all the media you get in i think that's
2: right yeah
1: and, and i think that's a big
2: deal if you treat the media well then they they treat you better Um which you know it should be about the accolades on the baseball field. That's how it should be, but it's not. It's not. It's, it's, There's it's, it's, a human not, element though. to it. Uh, but, but I think how he's long can really we have
1: robot Hall of Fame voters? I don't think that'll ever happen. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't think that'll ever happen.
2: You can't unless the unless those robots can test for steroids.
1: Uh, I mean, what's the difference between that and just peeing in a cup and then having a a test come up, positive or negative?
2: (laughs) All right, so now the robots are going to be uh, getting these samples.
1: Robots are taking over. I've seen Terminator 2.
2: Look, that's fine. That was a long time ago, too. I'm still waiting for those robots to to come out. You know, the nerds in the tunnel are probably the closest thing.
1: Yeah. The Yankees also kicked the snot out of Blake Snell today, which was great. Um, They knocked him out in the first inning. He had nothing. He threw more balls than he did strikes. Yankees scored six in the first inning. They had another six inning, uh, six run inning later in the game. Sanchez three run home run. DJ LeMahieu, who I have some home road split stats because you remember we talked about. I'll get to it in a minute. But DJ LeMahieu another hit with runner in scoring position. Glaber Torres his first grand slam. So I don't this this series you win two out of three that would have been great, but they end up sweeping. And I did not think going into the game with Blake Snell versus CC Sabathia we were going to see a sweep.
2: No, I mean <laughs> absolutely not. And the fact that they got to him so fast is awesome because it gave it gave CC a little bit of room to work. Yeah. It, it, it definitely uh, I think allowed him to um you know just get into that
1: game a lot faster and not have to press. He goes 6 innings which for him is a long start. And I think what we saw today versus his last couple starts, he he gave up more soft contact. He did also yep. strike out a bunch of guys, but he was keeping the Rays hitters off balance. And it's, it's, such a, it's such a fine line with Sabathia because he's trying to do the same thing every start. He's trying to pitch on the corners. He's trying to use his slider, backdoor cutter, backdoor slider, inside cutter, inside slider. So it's like he's pitching the same way. It's just a slight difference with him, and it's a difference between getting crushed and pitching well. That's the
2: thing. Like, so the new Sabathia is a guy that's going to walk people. That's just going to happen. There are going to be runners on base, whether it's, you know, there were a couple, like you said, soft contact. There was a, um, a you know, an RBI bloop over Voight's head, like, you know, little, little things that, little ducks that were falling and just finding green. You have to live with that stuff because that's what he's, he's, he's trying to keep these guys off balance. They're going to throw the bat at it. Occasionally it's going to fall, but he's also going to walk guys because he, because he has to live on the corners. He's going to be off the corners. And when you're, when you're doing that, if these guys can lay off these pitches, he's going to walk people. He just lives with that. He knows that's happening and if he's not on uh, on a given day, some of those walks might be left over the plate and that's when you have problems. So, if he's missing outside the zone, I think you're 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 going to get a um you'll you'll get more walks, but you're going to get a much more effective start from him because the contact's going to be soft.
1: Right. So, earlier in the podcast you mentioned that when the website first started, you had just gotten married, right? I did, just got married. Do you remember how did your suit look? How did your tux look? Phenomenal. Was it baggy as hell? Because that was the style back in like the get the, f- the, uh, <laughs> the, the two thousand 2010. I didn't get married frame.
2: in the mid nineties. Okay. No, but
1: I feel like even you look back ten to twelve years ago, and the suits were, it looks stupid. Like the suits <laughs> look stupid. <laughs> no, no. Just, just
2: be honest. Okay, so we we had a, a gray suit, nice, and it was just relatively clean. I thought about what the pictures would look like in twenty years.
1: Yeah, gray is a classic color. It's you go it, with a gray suit. It was a gray pinstripe,
2: like like a light pinstripe. It was, uh, it was Ooh, very classy. Very, it was, you couldn't see the pinstripes. It. It, was, it was nice. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm very excited to talk to you guys about a new sponsor that we have, Indochino. Indochino, whether you're looking to uh, outfit your entire groomed party for, for your wedding or you're looking for a new suit for just a night out or maybe a wedding or, or a job, uh, they make custom made-to-measure suits. No more generic off-the-rack stuff. What's great about them is you can go into one of their showrooms. They have, I believe it is 40 showrooms in North America, and you can actually get measured head to toe, which, like we just talked about, I hate the baggy suits. If you're buying off the rack, maybe the pants don't fit quite right. Maybe the jacket arm is a little too long. Then you got to take it to another tailor. Indochina is going to handle all of it. Um, they, uh, If you're looking to get married, there's tons of options to outfit your entire wedding party, like I said. I'm getting married in a couple months so very excited about using indochino you can also customize things they have quality fabrics you can monogram the inside of your jacket or if you're getting a shirt i know we just ordered a couple shirts because um, we started to use their service you can get a monogram on your shirt as well um, you can book an appointment at any showroom with your wedding party um, choose your customizations submit measurements with your choices you can also submit measurements online if you can't get to one of their showrooms Um, If you live in the middle of nowhere, apparently, and, you know, just go online and do it. Uh, Our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when you enter code Bronx at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made to measure premium suit. $369. First of all, That's that's a deal. That is a great deal. That suit, like I said, you can wear it to your wedding. You can wear it to someone else's wedding. You can wear it to your job if you have to work in a fancy office. For 369 bucks, your suit's going to look damn good instead of spending maybe slightly less to get off the rack and it looking like crap and falling apart. So again, go to Indochino.com, use promo code BRONX to get any premium suit for just $369 and free shipping. All right. I mentioned DJ LeMayhew. Eighth home run. Congratulations. Went one step closer to number 20. You just missed one off the... got
2: robbed by the short porch today.
1: <laughs> we mentioned when the Yankees signed him, is he a Colorado player? Is his ours home splits an indication that maybe he's not going to be as great with the Yankees? And we kind of said, well, Yankee Stadium's a hitter's park, so if anything, he'll have also really good home splits, so maybe it'll even out. Turns out he's been better on the road than he is at home. He's been good at home, but he's been fantastic on the road. His home splits, 290 batting average, 783 OPS, He has 24 RBIs, and we had two more RBIs on Wednesday, and a 315 batting average on balls in play. His road stats, 336 batting average, 845 OPS, three home runs, 22 RBIs, and a 368 batting average on balls in play. So that might just be looking at a little bit bigger ballparks on the road so he's more hits are dropping. But he's actually been better on the road. Good, Good overall, can't complain overall, but slightly better on the road.
2: Well, I mean, I think he's just a really good hitter. That's the, that's the key. He sprays the Can ball. Confirm. Yeah, he sprays the ball around. And that's why I think when we saw what he did in Colorado and we saw the type of player he was, you know, I know you and I were both excited about him because he fits this lineup so well. He just adds a very different element to what they had last year. He adds he's also
1: exceeded all expectations by by for, a ton. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that he's so clutch as well. I mean, the is he hitting 500? Is it, is it over 500 yet? Because it's damn close.
1: It, last I saw, I think it was like four seventy nine. Yeah,
2: so he's. I mean, the guy just keeps coming through with uh, with runners in scoring position as well. He's a machine out there, literally. That's the the nickname "machine" uh, that Gary Sanchez gave him. I think it's perfect because when you're the the nice thing is is um, one of the things that we we heard about that was appealing for the Yankees was the way that he can go the other way. The, the fact that that the home park does play to him, um, and if you look at his numbers. Back in Colorado the um, the the last couple of years, you can tell there was a difference in in home well, runs. There was a little bit more power, the launch angle was different. And you're you're gonna see some of those this is why I made those predictions, because I'm I'm predicting some of the doubles that he hit in the past to go over the fence. And I mean, we're seeing small sample, but he's, five home, he's got runs more home runs three.
1: I actually think now knowing the type of player that Lemayhew is, he's a line drive hitter. Yes. I think bigger ballparks play to him better. Colorado, even though the ball flies, is a gigantic outfield. Mm -hmm. So a lot of his line drive hits, maybe even um, that could be caught in some other shorter right fields or shorter left fields, they're going to drop, which is why I think we're seeing a higher batting average on balls in play, 368 on the road. He's playing in more ballparks that are bigger than Yankee Stadium. Like today, that line drive that he got robbed on to right field might drop in other ballparks.
2: Yes, the, the, well, and the, the thing is, but the, the all, other side of that is that at Yankee Stadium, those line drives are going out. And, but not not that many. Oh, five. oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And you should be scared. You know why you should be scared? I'm not scared. Did you see the yoke that he hit the center field? 4.15 plus or something like that. It was, it was significantly over uh, over the fence. <clears throat> I mean, we're talking, we're talking some serious power with LeMay. If I think Lemehu's is kind of like the Ichiro in the sense where if he needed to and
1: wanted to, he could probably be a 30-home-run guy. Yeah. Well, listen, I really want you to be wrong. I've learned in doing this podcast, it's kind of tough because I want the Yankees to win, obviously. But I also want to be right, and I don't know what I want more in, in some cases. Well, you have to – here's the thing.
2: You wouldn't be right. Because because you didn't really make predictions, you wouldn't be right. I would just be wrong, and that's all you're looking. That's for. fine. I'll take it. Yeah. You being wrong. I I just also want to make take. that distinction. You know what I mean? Because you know, by by putting myself out there and being very very accurate
1: so far, I'm uh, I'm pretty happy about it. And then he, you say Luis Sessa is having a breakout year.
2: Yeah, you got to pick the one guy, the one guy, the one thing I did that was bad. All right, you're talking
1: about how accurate your project. Your yeah, that, predictions was are. that was the only one. That was the
2: only one. Luis Sessa is not living up to the bill. I just want him off the team now so I can stop talking about it.
1: So, when the lineup is fully healthy, it is a murderer's row lineup. Do you keep LeMahieu leading off? Yeah, I
2: love LeMahieu leading off. I think he's the perfect leadoff guy. Uh, I I know that sometimes they will probably want to switch it around and get Hicks in there because he's a lefty bat. I don't mind sprinkling Hicks. Hicks has not been great. No, I know that. But but I think they want, you know, they're going to want that lefty bat in there. And if it's either Gardner or Hicks. Um, I could see them. Gardner still gives tough at bats. I know people are so are like all all about shitting on Gardner these days because you know the other guy got sent down, but uh, and there's another guy up there that's playing better than Gardner currently. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, haziness around Brett Gardner and, and his status, but he's still a gritty ass player. Still gives good at bats, and he's, I, I still think he's a good leadoff guy when put in there. I don't think he's an everyday leadoff guy anymore by any means, um, but Lemahieu should be that guy
1: with the addition of Encarnacion it actually makes the lineup even more right-handed heavy. Yeah. I don't really care because they're all good hitters, but if you were to just stack the lineup where you want to get your best hitters up most often while coupled with making sense of of where guys should hit, I would do Lemehu, Judge, Sanchez, Stanton, Voigt, Encarnacion. That's a top 6 all right-handed. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean it, but you're 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 getting cute if you're trying to for, force a lefty in there for Only reason the only way it
1: would be is Hicks leading off, like you just said. But then I'm not I'm not batting DJ Lemay who's seventh or eighth.
2: Yeah, no. But you could also I mean you could toy around with like when Didi was going really well and if if he's going offensively well, you could you could plug him in somewhere on the top as as a lefty. I know
1: I I know and he and he breaks up the lineup nicely and he did it last year. But with the way Gary Sanchez has been hitting this year, I you got to get him. Plenty of at bats, which is why I'd bat him third and bat Stanton fourth. I have no problem with that. I don't.
2: I honestly don't want Stanton in the in the three spot. I think that Sanchez right now, the way he's seeing the ball, because that's that's the thing, he's seeing the ball really well. That thing looks like a beach ball to him. I yeah. want him getting a ton of at bats. Uh, right. So yeah, I, I think that. Um, I think right now, when you're looking at the way that, if you're talking about power production, um, the way that he's making barreling up the ball, he's he's the the most dangerous hitter on this team.
1: And if it, the lineup is what I just said it is, then you're looking at a 7, 8, and 9 of D.D. Hicks-Glaber, which would be 1, 2, 3 in most other batting orders. That's the thing.
2: you could We could throw out 15 different mixes of lineups, and it doesn't matter. Because <laughs> it's all heavy production in the middle. Heavy production. Whether you, you sprinkle in one guy here, or the next guy, a couple back, They're all massive home run hitters.
1: You mentioned gardner Cameron Mabin is the other guy you were referring to. So Cameron Mabin, people are all on the Cameron Mabin bandwagon. It's pretty hard not to be, man. It's pretty hard not to be. I loved what he does, and I and he's exciting. Like you can just tell he's having a great a freaking awesome time. And he knows he's playing for his job. He knows his job is probably not gonna be with the Yankees. Because I don't know if you keep Mabin as a fifth outfielder, when are you gonna play him? I mean, you'll find time
2: to you'll find the, the the ways to play him. I think you'll you'll because you're trying to get other guys rest. I think that's the key is trying to keep other guys fresh. And if that's becoming a priority, and they think that they can carry that fifth outfielder, then there's a very good possibility. Because I mean, it's going to be very hard to say goodbye to Cameron Mabin and keeping a guy like Luis Sessa right now, or a guy
1: like oh I know it would definitely have to be a bullpen arm, and I think people have also talked about this because the Yankees have off days around the London series, Luis Sessa or David Hale or Cortez, those guys aren't going to get in those games. You're not going to use those guys if other guys are rested. So you can delay the Maven decision by sending down one of the bullpen arms because you have extra off days at the end of next but week.
2: But what does that mean, though, delaying the decision? is that just Are we just delaying, really just trying to push it off until he you're, slumps you're so biding that it's justified?
1: You're biding your time to either A, trade him and get some value for him, yeah. to B, make sure your other guys are healthy because what if Stanton or Judge co- – what if you release Cameron Mabin when Judge comes back? He sign- he gets picked up by another team because he will get picked up by Don't another team. Don't say what you're going to say. How could you – it took these guys two months to come back. I know. What if Judge or Stanton is not fully healthy and they need to go back on the injured list? And then you're saying – Ah, crap! We could really use Cameron Mabin right now. That's the thing. I mean, but but that's what you're dealing with when you have a veteran
2: guy who comes in and outplays what you were expecting, because he was never supposed to do this. It's not like he was a, a guy that they coveted. I mean, it's Cameron Mabin who's bounced around in 97. Well, they picked teams. him up out of necessity. I know that's the thing. So you're never going to expect a guy like this to to make this decision. This, you're happy. You're glad. It's a good situation that that uh, that you have a tough decision to make, but it doesn't make it easier. So. So yeah, I I just don't know. They're just waiting for him to slump.
1: I don't see any. I don't see playing time for him as a fifth outfielder. And then what good is having him with the way this roster is used and the names we just rattled off for the starting lineup? When you Cameron Maben plays, gets three at bats a week. Really, that's what we're saving Cameron Maben for. Like I I love, I love what Cameron Maben has done, but I'm not saving him for three at bats a week.
2: So I, I mean, it boils down to the fact that. You're you're also what are you what are you saving Luis Sessa for mop up duty and and that can be well with the way
1: the rotation and the pitching staff that could is, be something that's important. Just Luis Sessa, I don't like. I would release re- Luis Sessa. I think I, I, he's out of options and he's pitched crappy. So find someone else to be mop up, but this team does need mop up guys in a lot of scenarios. But that's the especially thing, especially if they're especially if they're opening one every. Well, five that's days. that's one of the big things.
2: So, but but the thing is, is you, you just said even if it's not Luis Sessa, it's got to be somebody. So that that still takes up that that roster spot on the 25th. Yes, I
1: think with the way that Cashman and Boone and and this team runs, yeah, extra pitcher versus extra batter, especially in, with a DH scenario. It's just if this is the it's just League. hard
2: to see that I think as a fan perspective when you're talking about that twenty fifth guy. And it's Cameron Mabin, who's been unbelievable on yep. the field, off the field, over over exceeded every expectation you could possibly have because there were none. And and then it's and then you keep Luis Sessa because of mop up duty. It's, it's a it's a well, tough he's, sell.
1: He's homered in he homered in four straight games. Yeah. He's got an eight eighty two OPS, a one thirty seven OPS plus, and he's and he has provided them .7 WAR in less playing time than Clint Frazier who played 53 games versus Cameron Mabin's 40, hit 11 home runs, 843 OPS, 122 OPS plus, only .3 war, mainly because of his defense. And then you look at Brett Gardner, who I don't think is going anywhere because he can play defense. He He can play center field and left field. Cameron Mabin, I know, played center field last year, but he has not played center field this year. And if you look at his defensive metrics in center field, the last time he played there, he was, he was bad in center field. So I think this team would lean Gardner, not just because he's Gardner number 11 and in, in a, in a, in a, a I mean, lifetime Yankee, honestly you
2: but could, you, because he's better defender. But you could also stop
1: the conversation with what you just said, too. No, I know I could, <laughs> even though he's not producing as well as Cameron Mabin is right now. Brett Gardner's got a 755 OPS. Cameron Mabin has an 882 OPS.
2: Look, the other thing about this, though, I think that people kind of need to open their eyes about as well um, is, is we're, we're celebrating what these players and what they've done for us very, very recently. And, and, that's, and that's good. We should because they've, they've been amazing with the way that this team has, has dealt with injuries. These guys have all stepped up. But if you go down and start looking at careers and you, you try to find out who this guy is and, and you're, you're waiting for the shoe to fall, the other shoe to drop, you know, in, in a month... Is is Cameron Mabin gonna be a better player on this team and a better fit than a guy like Brett Gardner? You have to look at what Brett Gardner has done for this entire his his career as well, because we've seen him come up in big situations. We've seen him play defense. We know the type of player he is. He's healthy, he's he's not playing as much. You know, maybe he will be better down the stretch. I'm just saying, like when you're looking at this, it can't be just a rash decision on what's happening right now. You also have to look at this guy, he's not a young guy. It's not like he's all of a sudden you know getting into his prime he's 32 33 what do you say 33 34 years old i mean it's it's what he's doing right now is is wild and crazy and it's and it's awesome but is it sustainable and and i that's what the yankees are going to look at and it's a bad it's a hard decision I, again like i love him i love what he's doing i don't want him off the team but it's a numbers game it is what it no, is no but they're,
1: uh, i'm sure they're also looking at Cameron Mabin – and comp- and like you just said, well, what's he going to be in a month or a month right. and a half? The way that we're looking at Gio Gio Urshela now, seeing some regression in his game. Right. It was beautiful for a month and a half, but Gio Urshela is starting to come back down to the Gio Urshela we thought he was going to be. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, Cameron it's- Maven will probably do that too. Right. And Brett Gardner has not been great this year. He's been so streaky, mm-hmm. even more streaky than he normally has. Like he goes into slumps where it doesn't even look like he's ever hit a major league baseball before. Like 0 for 32, like these, these kinds of just absolute trash slumps, but he has 11 home runs and then he gets hot for a couple games, saves this season and on we go.
2: That's the thing. But he's, when all these guys come back, he's got a different role. Especially with Encarnacion on this team now. Unless there's a move, which I think a lot of people are still expecting a, a, another move potentially. But even if it stays... A move for
1: a pitcher, though, so am not going to affect Right,
2: yeah, because because Frazier would... One of those guys would probably be... Um, either way, you're still having Gardner as your fourth outfielder. Because if Encarnacion is on this team, he's the DH, right? So now we got three outfielder. That I means Stanton's playing the outfield. He might play first. Judge is playing the outfield. Yeah, but they'll switch it up a little bit. But he's not going to be... Gardner's not going to be out in the outfield every day anymore. We're going to see Stanton in the outfield I think a lot more than than we ever expected.
1: And Encarnacion has is a great hitter. We kind of we mentioned this last time. But but at the same time I I like the idea of having the DH spot open to get Judge and Stanton rest. And it's not open anymore. It's it's
2: really hard to say <laughs> I know, but it's really hard to, to look at this situation. Not, uh, it's not a complaint. Co- I know complaint. it's not, it's, it's just, it's just, but it's, it's analyzing the situation and what, what it could be if it's, if there's more flexibility and yes, that's a nice thing. But,
1: but the guy that's
2: filling that's, that's clogging up that spot, if you will, <laughs> He's damn good. is
1: freaking good. He's really good. And, um, so uh, p- part of what we didn't talk about last episode was part, a reason they also made this move is so he didn't go to a competitor. He didn't go to Tampa or he didn't go to Minnesota. I think those teams were both interested in, in, in Encarnacion. The Yankees uh, were quoted, I think Boone quoted, saying it was too good to pass up acquiring Edwin Encarnacion, which was exactly what they said about Stanton, if you remember. Yes,
2: it is. It's a different deal, a very different deal. in the sense Very of-
1: different deal. They're only uh, paying $3.5 million for the remainder of this year. We said it was even more, but I did not know Tampa was paying part of his right. salary this year. Yeah. So had That's Tampa acquired him, they actually would have just been adding a player they're already paying for. The Yankees will be on the hook for the $5 million buyout if they decide to do that, which I think they will. Um, so they're still well under that t- luxury tax, which Cashman... Which uh, Steinbrenner spoke today about. He was quoted as saying that if for the right move, we will break that $246 million threshold, which is the top penalty, which means you're paying the most tax and your draft pick goes down 10 slots. He said for the right move, we will do that, which is not what Brian Cashman said on the radio last week.
2: No, I mean, that's that's kind of not true. Cashman, no, it's 100% true. No, I wrote
1: about it today. There's a direct... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna
2: to pull up... Hold board. on. Cashman was talking about that they're being conscious of it. That that's what he said. If I, then read the quote because I'm obviously not remembering it correctly. But I'm pulling it up, the, um, the quote that that Hal is saying, and there's this is a very big caveat in his in his language for the yep. right move. Yep. What the hell does that even mean? Nobody knows right. what that
1: means because if they don't do it, oh, the right move wasn't out there. Exactly. So so. And he also said we still have a lot of a decent cushion. So he knows they're not going to go over. He's just, he's just appeasing fans by saying, yes, we're willing to go over for the right move. Because if he said no, fans would have freaked out.
2: Look, there's a whole bunch of posturing that Brian Cashman does as well on the talk radio shows. And he goes around and does these tours. And while everybody thinks he's being you know, completely contrite and, and just spilling everything out and being so honest to everybody, he's not. He's just not. He says the things that – it sounds like he's saying the right things to the fans and sounds like he's, he's uh, being truthful, but he's holding things back. He knows what's going on in the background.
1: He can't give up too much information. You ready for the quote? I'm ready for the quote. So asked about Keuchel. We were interested. We made an offer that we were comfortable with, and that was it. Atlanta made a higher one. It wasn't like a back and forth. We had two that we ultimately made, and we stopped, and we waited to hear if it was a yes or a no. We were very transparent about where we're at. There's a financial limitation until we go into next. There's a financial limitation until we go into the next luxury tax level. And that was obviously conveyed and that pushes next year's number one draft pick back. There's a number of different penalties associated with it. So we're trying to stay under the second luxury tax penalty that crushes next year's pick.
2: Okay, trying. Conscious. All the same, we're all, we're all in the same ballpark here. There was nothing that different. is. There was nothing when definitive asked about it.
1: Keuchel, and he says that if they communicated that to Dallas Keikel and his team, that to me is saying the because of the luxury tax, we are only offering you this. Come on, yeah, be real. Be, be, you gotta you gotta admit that that's what that quote says. If
2: if the if their communication to to Keuchel's agent is saying that this because of this, this is as high as we're gonna go. Then yeah, that then, then, then I could see that being a, um, a hindrance in the negotiations.
1: But at the same time, there was maybe that's why they didn't they didn't uh, get um, a second shot at it. Right? Look, Brian Cashman's blaming Brian Cashman's blaming Scott Boris for that. But if you're looking at it, if you're looking at this
2: as Scott Boris, because Scott Boris is Scott Boris. I don't give a rat's ass who he's negotiating with. He's trying to get the biggest dollar possible for his client because it's setting up the next deal. He's always thinking about the next deal. And when you're trying to get as much money as you possibly can and you're dealing with the New York Yankees, you go back and talk to them. I don't care what they say.
1: I don't know. Brian Cashman is a very stern person. No. I think that that there's – I think Scott Boris understands the relationship. And if Brian Cashman says, this is what we're offering. We're not offering over this because of the luxury tax penalty. And then Scott Boris says, okay, they're offering 11.5. That's as high as they'll go. Yeah. Oh, Atlanta's offering more. We're taking it. We're I don't want to go down this whole road about the Keiko Atlanta thing. I'm not even talking about Keuchel anymore. But what I'm what I really want to bring up is that it doesn't seem like Cashman and Steinbrenner are saying the same things. Why are they not saying the I same thing? I just think thing? they're
2: using different language. That's all. And and you're you're taking the the trying to as a definitive no, and and now and and Hal's going on the other side and spinning it the other way, saying well, we will if it's the right move. So essentially he's saying, no, we're not going to unless it's the right move. He's just spinning the language. That's all this is. This is all Hal, posturing. Is,
1: Hal is Hal is just completely kowtowing to fans. here. It's fine. that's I mean that's there's a the good cop bad cop. Right now, everybody
2: is is uh, in love with what Cashman has done. He can be that guy. He's the guy, he's the negotiator. Hal's the money guy? He knows it. He's got the name but- Steinbrenner. He's going to appease fans. His name is Steinbrenner.
1: Do you want to know the dirty little secret? They could have signed Keuchel and traded for Encarnacion and still been under the 246.
2: Again, I'm still believing, I really truly believe that there was something else Maybe Keuchel. Maybe.
1: Because Scott Morris
2: goes back to the Yankees.
1: That's the big thing. So Clint Frazier was sent down when Encarnacion was put on the roster. I very briefly mentioned this um, when I was just talking um in the last episode adding it in because yeah. the news had just broken and i don't even think i was thinking clearly oh clint fraser was sent down yeah i was expecting him to get sent down eventually and then the more i thought about it i'm like wait a second clint fraser was sent down before mike talkman was sent down yeah it's a clear message to clint fraser all right there's a reason for this
2: though because look clint fraser is is unstable I think a lot of people know that. I think a lot of people realize what's going on here. I mean, the guy the guy is is a unbelievable hitter for whatever reason this roller coaster of
1: emotions for this entire time. He's he's just doing weird stuff, man. He's out of control. He's, <laughs> he's de- out of control. He's doing weird stuff and he's it's, deleting all of his Instagram posts I, and unfriending the Yankees. I
2: don't even think that's first of all, that's not even accurate. I'm pretty sure he didn't even wasn't even uh connected to a lot of those guys people were saying that he un- i don't even think he did that because i don't think he actually followed him in the first place i don't Whatever care about he that did, he delete? i don't, care about, his, I don't care about i don't care like about this a 13 year old girl
1: yeah who gets mad and blocks her friends on instagram when when the sleepover doesn't go well
2: toxoplasmosis <laughs> okay this is. Yeah. L- what was the corresponding move to clint frazier being sent down court he was the corresponding move to what a celebration for Encarnacion. Okay, so what does Encarnacion do really well? He, he's actually leading the American League in home runs, right? Mm-hmm. Well, every time he hits a home run, that's 21 times. That's a lot. 22. 22 now. What does he do? Walks the parrot. He walks the parrot. I think there was a very <laughs> real fear <laughs> that Clint a- Frazier was going to attack Encarnacion and attack the parrot while rounding the bases in this home series, and they had to get rid of him before that. They knew Mike Talkman would be well behaved, and they had no idea where Frazier was going. Because cats don't like birds. Cats hate birds. Cats mm. eat birds. And when you're picking up this horrible, um, you know, this 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 virus that that is transferred fecally, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of it's from from cat urine. Okay, there's contact.
1: That's, that's not that's not fecal matter. Fecal and, and, not fecal.
2: Well, they they shit and piss in the same place. Excrement. Look, cats Excrement. are disgusting. Okay, they're disgusting creatures. They 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 just do they it. Clean themselves. They do it wherever they they damn well please. And no, then and, and then you go box. and sleep in it. That's what happens. That's all. It's gross.
1: Okay. Clint Fraser slept in his
2: cat's litter boxes. No, he slept in piss and and probably cat shit at some point. Yeah, because they just they drop little fecal matters all over the place. And that's how he has it. It's on his pillow. The cat was farting on his pillow, and he got toxoplasmosis because he was kissing his cat on his pillow, where the farts were, fecal matter, toxoplasmosis. I'm telling you, all I, all I know is that is, is what it does. And it makes them more aggressive. And when there's an invisible parrot running around from the guy that you know is about to take your job, your roster spot, they couldn't trust him. They had to get rid of him. So they sent him to Scranton.
1: <coughs> I think it was a clear message to Clint Frazier that says, we do not forget that you skipped talking to the media and yes we could keep you on the roster for 24 more hours but instead we're going to keep Mike Talkman on the roster for 24 more hours you go report to Scranton and he took every second he could before reporting to Scranton you have 72 hours after being sent down for a player to uh, ex- to uh report to wherever he's assigned to he used all 72 hours he's acting like a child well he I've he had a full day Quint of he Frazier. had a
2: full day of workouts today quoted by Jay Bell
1: i've Defended Clint Frazier on a lot of things, and maybe he is trying to now shoot his way out of town because he sees the writing on the wall that he's not going to be a New York Yankee for his career, and he just wants to be traded. Why else is he acting like this? Okay, it, it, you're it, saying. It, listen, Toxoplasmosis. I'm not, t- I'm not, whatever. I'm not talking about the to- Someone like, it's needs a real, to it's tell him. Real, let me finish. Someone needs to. What? It's a disease.
2: Someone needs, to, disease. Don't, don't someone needs disease. to
1: tell him. Someone needs to tell him, Clint. Do not delete your Instagram. You're going to come off like a child. Turn the phone off, go report to Scranton, and hit the baseball hard. Yeah. He needs. Uh, no, it's true. Like the. Even whether, wh- whether
2: the all the, whatever he did with Instagram, it's just a bad look. It doesn't matter what, what happened. Or it, it's a bad look. It looks, it looks weird, okay? So just don't do it. Your timing is terrible. He, he, he's really, he, he has a bad PR guy or needs a PR guy or something, man, because he's, or he's just going off rogue and doing whatever the hell he wants, which is probably the way it is. But the thing is, is the 72 hours, okay? Like everything that he does now ever since the media thing is going to be blown up. So whether his fault. I, I know it's his fault. Whether it's, it's, it, it matters or doesn't matter or is normal or isn't normal. I was looking at some of the tweets by uh, Lindsey Adler, I think, was, had it on there. Most guys do take the 72 hours. I know Talkman didn't. He needs a job badly. He's not a hot prospect. He's, not going, he's going out there fighting for his life. And you have Cliff Frazier who takes the 72 hours, who apparently most people do take that time. He reported today, had a full day, a good day of baseball activities. As quoted by Jay Bell, the manager of the Scranton Wilkes-Barre RailRiders. So, and he's available today in today's game, and, and going to be in the starting lineup tomorrow. So he's there. Cliff- and, and look, hold on. The short-sightedness of you of, of him saying that I have no future as a New York Yankee would be crazy,
1: because he, he would I be the starting left irrational. fielder. I think he's emotional, irrational, and hundred percent short-sighted. How else do you explain a lot of the stuff that he has done?
2: Look, I I do think he's emotional. And, and short-sighted in certain things. I think that's an immature quality that he's going to grow out of. I do think there's right. an immaturity. So when
1: he, when he left Aaron Boone's office on Sunday night yes. and found out I got sent down, yes. he, instead of thinking to himself, okay, there's a bump in the road. I've performed at the major league level. I want to be on this team. I'm going to just shut up and go do I my mean, job. He, honestly, he, he hops on his phone and freaking deletes his, his stuff. Like... <laughs> He talked to
0: the
2: media, and he talked to the media.
1: You could tell he was, he was upset about it. But here's the thing about that. It's a bad look. It's a bad me, look, and I'm are, running out of aren't you expecting ways it? to defend him. Aren't you ex- huh? He should have expected it to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting childish shit out of him now, which is why I don't think he's going to be on this team long no, term. Um, because they don't they don't tolerate childish shit. What I'm saying is that Clint Fraser should have absolutely expe- known that he was going to get sent down. Well, we'll see, what I think is he knew he was going to get sent down at some point. But he didn't think he was going to be the first guy sent down. And that set him off into a tailspin, I think. (laughs) I'm serious. Yeah, I am serious. When He does get triggered very easily. When you come to a conclusion in your mind, you can can accept it. And then when that also doesn't happen, I think he loses his goddamn mind. But then he goes out and destroys the baseball. And that's all I care about. I don't think it's going to be at the major league level anytime soon.
2: Well, I mean, it's 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 tough for him to be anywhere on this roster. It's because you, you don't want him as a fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder. As we're
1: talking today, he is behind. He's not only behind the starters; he's behind Gardner. He's about in behind, behind Cameron Maben on the depth chart, and shit, he might be behind be behind Mike Talkman with how they've okay they've he's, done some roster. He's also
2: not behind Cameron Maben. And if he's on the major league... Cameron Mabin is still on the roster. I understand that. And it's because he's out of options. That's the reason. The reason Clint Frazier was that if they were in the same situation and they were both out of options, do you think Clint Frazier would not be on this team? Because I do. I think uh, Cameron Mabin easily would have been the guy.
1: It has nothing to do with it. It was a situational move. Clint Frazier has... Clint Frazier can't play defense, so he has no value as a bench No, I know. The the, the way that the roster is right now, it's unfortunate for
2: him because... There's just not really a, an everyday spot for him, and it would be worse for him, I think, if he were to sit up there and not play. He needs and reps. Then the one
1: day he gets in there, he makes an error in the outfield. He needs reps. It would be bad. Yeah, I I just think that the, I mean we, if we, the right is as the soon wall, as he like didn't the,
2: talk, there could be a. It's very very clear that there's that there's potentially a trade with him involved.
1: I think that's the most likely scenario.
2: It seems like it, but at the same time, the Yankees. Also, we're looking at the talent. And the talent is definitely there. Whether you, whether you like him or not, the guy can play baseball. Offensively, he can rip. He's good. And he, he very well, and he was much better in left field last year too, or the year before last when he was up. And you know, if they think that he could trend in a higher direction and be an average left fielder, then he will probably be the starting left fielder for a long time with the New York Yankees because Brett Gardner most likely will not be back. And Stanton and Judge will be
1: one of them. Will be more of a DH than an when
2: outfielder. you're just
1: talking about a talent level. I reg- I agree with you, but there's so much more to this player than talent. I know, right now. I know, I know.
2: And it's a matter of if they can play it out and if they can. But but, but right now there's no there's no roster spot for him either. So it's no. it's a it's a it's a tricky situation for everybody involved.
1: And he's not making it easier. There's no doubt about it. Couple of quick injury updates. Severino expects to throw from the mound for the first time next week, either on the 25th or the 26th. That's very good news. But is still dealing with discomfort in his uh, from his lat strain. Does not know when he's going to resume throwing. I think I heard a quote from him saying he's hopeful he'll be returning in the second half. That's vague. And Montgomery had a setback. through 15 pitches in a bullpen, felt discomfort, and was uh, is being sent back. For an MRI. I think is uh, we, we actually put a news update on the site today. Um, MRI on his shoulder. Okay. Not his elbow. I mean, uh, maybe that's good news in the sense... It could just be soreness yeah. from not having... So if it was on his elbow, shit, bad news. Right. But shoulder, I, I don't think is devastating.
2: No, I mean, it's a setback for sure, and it, and it may push him much longer out. But, well, um, I
1: think what, the, what this highlights is the fact that if anyone was counting on Montgomery adding to this rotation don't. this year don't yeah you can't it's way too much of an unknown yeah it's way too much and and the the shoulder you know again you're, you're
2: trying to compensate you're trying to come back from an elbow injury and and theoretically he should be feeling great with the elbow the elbow should be feeling right. fantastic at this point it's
1: bionic elbow
2: yeah so you should um you know maybe there's just uh he's just got to ramp up and just soreness
1: hopefully yankees got to get revenge against houston they got swept in houston in april they blew two of those games in the seventh inning or later. That was a really tough series loss because they played well. They played better than Houston in two of those games yeah. and lost both of them. Houston's been dealing with injuries, too. I know they just got Altuve back, I think. But Correa, Springer, Diaz, McHugh have all missed time. McCullough's had Tommy John surgery. Their starting pitching is still carrying them. These metrics are just crazy. They're second in starter ERA. They're first in innings pitch per game. And they're first in quality starts. I hate quality starts. It's a bullshit stat. Is it still but the they same? Lead, is, is the still quality starts? Six start innings, still the three same? runs. Yeah. yeah, which is not quality anymore. It was quality. I'm surprised in they the haven't changed it. They should I said it should be a sliding scale. Six innings, two runs, seven innings, three runs. Okay. Both are quality starts. Anyway, they have forty-two of them. The next highest team has thirty-four. So they're just blowing out blowing out the competition as far as starting rotation. Depth, performance, everything. Yankees are missing Garrett Cole. They are facing Verlander, though.
2: Yeah. Hey, the spin rate machine, man, coming out of uh coming out of Houston. So we all know that they have they have something in the water down there.
1: I don't think the Yankees have faced Verlander as an Astro in Yankee Stadium. He's it's always been in Houston.
2: And it's it's uh it's old timers day too, right? So Yep. That's a big start for uh for, for for Verlander. And we know he gets up for those big starts, so it's not really great. It's gonna be really great versus games. It's gonna be hap Against Verlander. I love it. Love our love our chances here. Win the first three games. Do you think they, they <laughs> That's all I'm saying? Do you think that they um they that Tanaka had an extra he had an extra day rest on Monday, right? I wonder if that was to line him up. Um uh, No. Yeah, I think he did. A- either way, I wonder if they, they intentionally were, were looking at trying to avoid Tanaka on uh Old Timers Day. You know, big day. No Tanaka not trying to ruin it again.
1: But they know it's the BP crew event. That's a big day. It is a big
2: day, but we're, we, have good, we have good winning streaks.
1: Big big. We definitely big win more days. than we lose.
2: Big Yankees days with Tanaka? Eh.
1: Not so much. Not so much. <laughs> so, Didi hasn't been doing his emoji tweets after the game. He won't talk about it. I saw a couple of the beat writers uh, tweet that he doesn't want to be asked about it.
2: I think it's hilarious. I think it's so, it's so funny that there has to be a hard line drawn on emoji conversations. So
1: here's what I think happened. He was doing it and he's like, oh, this is fun. I'm getting a lot of publicity for it. And then he realized, I don't want to have to go run to my phone and tweet out a bunch of emojis after every game. So he just stopped wanting to do it. I mean, maybe he could have a gopher go do it for him, but he decided to just end it. My question to you is, do you actually care? People are acting like it's the end of the world. Here's what's funny. You, you at home listening. Do you actually care? <laughs> you can't possibly actually care about this. <laughs> I think it's funny
2: because Didi's, they, I feel like Didi, we have something in common with D.D. right now, right? Like there's there's an expectation <laughs> yeah, on social I know, media. I know where you're going There's with. an expectation on social media now, and and like there's things that that have that like we we've been doing these videos. I, we've done like a Yankees win graphic for like years now, and and you know what? <laughs> you, you After a while, you're like,
1: damn it! Why
2: did I start? doing
1: that so i, I and <laughs> people. if you don't tweet it's like the third inning and you haven't tweeted yet hey man you watching the game yeah i'm watching the game i watch every we, freaking game we but started, i'm eating dinner we
2: started doing wallpaper wednesdays last year on uh on instagram <laughs> and i'll be damned if on wednesday that thing doesn't get out by like noon the amount of dms that come in yo where's <laughs> where's the wallpaper where's the wallpaper it's like you set an expectation so i i i understand Didi's <laughs> like Guys, we're not going to talk about this anymore. We're not going to we're not going to yeah, we're not going to look about. It. It's Every over. year the Yankees do like have like a weird gimmicky thing like the the whole thumbs down thing or you know the, the shooting the guns year. or whatever the hell it is or so, the yeah, the four So, you know, he's just trying to sweep it under like that was last year I I did it. I finished the the season with it. Yeah. I'm done.
1: He was I like, just learned probably, to play the
2: piano. I'm not sending out a freaking emoji tweet every time we win. It's annoying. He was
1: probably like, okay, the silver lining in me needing Tommy John surgery is I can end the emoji <laughs> tweets.
2: <Yeah. laughs> there's no doubt about it. He regretted it big time.
1: Yeah. Um, and if you really are missing the emoji tweets that badly, I'm, I think there's like five people now doing them because they're they're trying to go viral on Yankees Twitter. So look at those tweets. <laughs> JJ and Keith at the end of their episode posed the question on their most recent episode on Wednesday, would you trade the 2009 world series to not have blown the ALCS in 2004? You don't get guaranteed a 04 world series win, but you get guaranteed not to have blown that 2004 ALCS and you give up that 2009 championship. JJ is preparing a blog. He's polling all of the writers on the site about this. I think that's going to go up at the end of the week. He's yeah, people are talking about it on Twitter. I think there's a poll that went up from George's box. Yeah. You guys at home think about it, tweet them, tweet us. I want to hear what you think, Scott. Would you give up the 09 championship to just not have blown that 3-0 lead in 04?
2: Um okay, so this is a very hard question actually. I think it's the easiest question I've ever been asked. I think for a lot of people it's very hard. I would I would uh, I would absolutely give up the 09 World Series for yep. the win and to step on the throats of the yes. Boston Red Sox. At that at that time. I, I don't feel the same way i felt then. And probably because we're we're not it's not new anymore. It's not it's not fun. Like we don't we can't chant um you know 1918, 1918 anymore at the Red Sox fans. Like it's it's they get they would get really mad. Like really mad.
1: And it was awesome. And now it's just that's gone it's gone. they have a trump card against us always. yeah you guys have 27 rings. we came back 03. Dave Roberts still haunts my dreams. I I, I,
2: I cannot I hate it. Um, yeah. so yeah so 09 uh, again this also is is part of being a uh, growing up in the 90s era and, and mm-hmm. the Derek Jeter era and like all of the um, all of those World Series. so like 09 was kind of a throw-in. And honestly yep. it was probably my least exciting World Series of all that I've seen. And and I'm saying these are like very much first world Yankees problems that I'm talking about. <laughs> I know, right? And We're I get talking it. About a I get how how would, yeah. how how spoiled this sounds, but to to because history would change if 04 is different. That team might I, blow up.
1: I think it does. Yeah. And I think especially if they get I forget where this was said. It might have been in that book Feeding the Monster or Larry Lucchino might have said this something. If the Red Sox had got swept in 0-4, Terry Francona was getting fired. Yes, even though it was his first year, and possibly Theo Epstein would no longer have been the general manager.
2: I think they would have burned the goddamn thing down.
1: It would have been so bad. So you're looking at a completely different Red Sox history had they not come back from from that deficit. I also think, like you said, this completely depends on how old you are because I've seen some people in our chat who don't remember the the, the championships in the 90s really. They connect more with that 09 championship. Even me, I was in 2000, the last championship they won. I was 12. But I still watch highlights from all of those championships. I can't remember the last time I've watched a 2009 World Series highlight. Right. It was bought and paid for. I was drunk the entire time because I was a junior in college. I would trade the 2009 championship for 04 so fast. Yeah. I would even contemplate Oh boy. throwing in the 99 championship. Okay, no I wouldn't do that, but um because 99 of the 90s dynasty was is the least important. 96 is the first one, 98 you're the best team ever, 2000 you beat the Mets, you have to beat the Mets. 99 is kind of forgotten about. Chad Curtis was in that World Series. He's like a weird religious freak. I think he also might be in jail. I think like, I think he's done some.
2: Yeah, no, I think he's a bad, guy. really terrible. I think things. He's a bad guy.
1: Yeah. So like, but John Wetlands also a bad
2: guy. Yeah. That's, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we ninety six is still okay. In my book. <laughs> so when I'm when I'm looking at like the the history of of these of some of the the losses that happened or um like so 04 and one by far the worst losses imaginable. What were your reactions to both of those? Oh, four. I was like, I was, um, I was like shell shocked almost, you know, just like, just, I was, I was pissed off and shell shocked. And like, I couldn't, I was in disbelief. Oh, I one, was
1: angry in 04. Yeah,
2: O1 oh, I was just like really disappointed. Like I was just like oh. it was just a it was just such an emotional time at, at, during that point anyway that it was um it, it's like it was destiny that the Yankees were going to win that World Series and then when it didn't happen, it's like what what
1: what? I was confused. Yeah. I was confused. I was a 13-year-old who had never seen the Yankees lose. Yeah. Literally never seen them lose. Yeah. They'd won everything. And, and I remember sitting there. I was I vividly remember because the games were late always in the playoffs but my dad would let me watch the games and I was I may, I used to make a bed for myself in the living room like put down a bunch of pillows I was laying on the bed and I will always remember Mariano Rivera throwing that bunt away and my dad goes they're going to blow it and I was like what are you, what are you talking about he's like they're gonna blow it now, But we know we now know your dad a little bit too I think that was the turning point <laughs> of my dad like, my dad w- still gets pissed off about like stuff from the 80s but but like he had been on such a high from all the 90s he's, he was like they're gonna blow it and I was like dad you don't know what you're talking about and then they blew it I was just so confused in 01 I was so pissed off in 04 yeah I was so yeah, pissed yeah no off about 04 was 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 was, was like shell shocked and,
2: and anger and Uh, Yeah, I was I was just out of college at that point, too. So, you know, I was invincible and I thought the Yankees were invincible and I thought the Red Sox would never, ever, 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 ever. That was the thing. Like, I never put my head in a place anywhere close to to thinking that the Red Sox would uh, win a World Series, let alone
1: beat the Yankees yeah it's it would be it was impossible at the time to think of it yeah and i would even say i think the yankees would have wiped the floor with the cardinals that year.
2: anybody who get who
1: whatever team got to that world series was going to dominate but even if they didn't it would have felt like oh three oh three is still a happy memory yeah so you beat the red sox in the championship series it's a happy memory i think they would have won the world series but even if they don't I think oh five oh six oh seven maybe oh nine doesn't happen anymore because they don't break the bank to win another World Series with Jeter and Posada and Mariano and everybody. But okay, maybe you win one in oh six, maybe you win one in oh seven. The oh seven team was freaking stacked. That, that that's team, the thing. Like
2: I, I think they would have won in uh, in oh four, and and I think they probably would have you know gotten uh, another one or two because the Red Sox wouldn't have been the same team. No, they would that that team would have been very different. There would have been. <laughs> They would, I think would have blown up I think they would have
1: imploded. I think it would have got blown up, and then Pedro left after o four Yep. so or he left after oh four or o five, so then you no longer have the Pedro Schilling dynamic. you just have Schilling and his racist ass
2: and when you have a bunch of when you have a bunch of idiots that are winning, that's fun, and like they're all having fun right? They're like good uh-huh. but when they're <laughs> yeah. losing that that's Not just fun. a disaster, like yeah, you get them out of town. you're talking about you're talking about bad things happening at that point, so.
1: So I think you and I are on the same page. I think a lot of younger people are not going to be on the same page with that. But I, I understand who who is, how it looks. It looks. It looks totally. Um, yeah, you're trading a champion. You're trading, trading champion. hardware. Yeah. For not for nothing. Right. Basically. Well, because a, a, an American League Championship Series win is really nothing, especially I, if you're the Yankees. I think
2: this decision gets this this uh, this question gets really difficult if you say that they don't win the World Series
1: in 0-4 as well. Like they, if you tell me definitively, yeah. definitively, yeah. they do not win the world yep. series in Oh four. I still do it. Me too. I still take it. I, I, I want, they could get swept a hundred to nothing by the Cardinals every single day to not blow that lead against the Red Sox. It is worth it in my book.
2: The, the rivalry was so freaking hot at that point that I would have done anything for them to just not, to just step on their throats and, and watch. Cause I had a bunch of friends that were from the area that I went to school with. And, um, from Boston. And, uh, and they were big Red Sox fans too. So we had, we had a really good group of like Yankees, Red Sox. Just cli- We were unbearable for everybody else. And I wanted them to be miserable. <laughs> yeah. I love those guys. Yeah. I love those guys to oh, death. Yeah. I would probably take a bullet for a lot of them. But I, would, I wanted them to be miserable so badly in, <laughs> with,
1: the, with, the, with the Red Sox. It's the beauty of sports. Yeah. And the beauty of sports rivalries. Yeah. And what we would be talking about is how the Yankees swept. And they just closed that deal in game four. We're going to talk about how the Red Sox got embarrassed at home in the American League Championship Series by letting up 19 runs to the Yankees in game three and how the Yankees absolutely demolished them with no pitching. God damn it. Anyway. Anyway. Here we go. If you guys want to get into this action, go find JJ on Twitter. Go find Keith on Twitter. Listen to George's Box podcast. Rate and review both podcasts if you're a fan of both of them. If you just listen to ours, give us a rating and review. We really appreciate it. Next um, episode, we'll be doing mailbags. I will be recovering from a bachelor party. Scott will be recovering from a BP crew event. You and I should both be worthless next Sunday, so yeah. looking forward to that.
2: <laughs> it'll be hey,
1: it'll f- be an interesting show. It'll be an interesting show.
2: I, I usually don't remember a damn thing that happens during the games at those events because, um, you know, I'm like I'm watching the game, but is it, is it going into my brain? No, it's not. It's not. It's not.
1: <laughs> Dead eyes. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you on Monday.
2: Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes, and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.